Come on now. Can you hand me your Bible? Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Is everybody there? Revelations chapter 20. I'm going to read a lot of it. Hello. Hope you guys are ready. Let's go. Let's read Revelations chapter 20. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit. Look at your neighbor and say the pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. Verse 3 says, and he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after that, somebody say after that. (coughs) Excuse me. So that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a while. Somebody say, "Uh uh-oh. Chapter Verse 4 says, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not, deceived, have not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Somebody say the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Somebody say hallelujah. Over such things, over such, the second death has no power. Say no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Somebody say hallelujah. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. Say "Uh uh-oh. And will go to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. Those number, those, excuse me, whose number is, at, is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God and out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Somebody say forever and ever. And verse 11 says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was, no, there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were with them, and they were judged each according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Can somebody say hallelujah? Can somebody pray for my tablet? (laughs) In Jesus' name, praise the Lord. I don't know what I'm going to do here. Praise God. Here we go. All right, we'll try that one more time. Let's let it load. But how many know that we are living in the end days? How many know that we're living in the last times, right? Or like Pastor Dell said, Dr. Dell said, it was the last hour. And we can read so many different things. If you read the book of Revelation, there's a lot of different, you know, we, we read about the seven trumpets. We read about the, but you guys go ahead and receive Amen. Praise the Lord. This is the first time this has ever happened to me. Praise God. But when we read in the book of Revelation, we read about all these different things. We read about the, the seven-headed dragon, Anybody ever read about the seven-headed dragon? Okay, praise the Lord. How do we know that? But there's a lot of different things, a lot of different symbols, and a lot of. But I want to. I wanted to try to keep it real simple today. Say, keep it simple. 
I'm going to have to keep it real simple today because this isn't working. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to have to keep it so simple right now, it's not even funny. Okay. So are you guys ready to do this with me? Because this thing's not working, so praise the Lord. All right. I'm just going to kind of, I know what I wanted to speak about, amen. I'm not going to have my exact, you know, my train of thought that I had there that I had written down, but I'm just going to give you, you know, what was in here, what God put in here. Because how many know that every day when we wake up, I don't know about you, but when I, get up, when I get up in the morning and my feet hit the ground, the first thing I think about, I think about isn't if I'm going to heaven or hell. I don't think about that. I don't know if you do or not, but I know that when I get up in the morning, some of us, we get up in the morning, and the first thing we think about is, is the coffee on? Come on, see, Pastor Darrell. He knows where I'm going with this, amen. But the first thing that I think about is not where am I going to go when the end comes. Because we just, we, just, we just saw the video that the end is coming. Can somebody say amen? The end is coming. But when I get up, that's not the first thing on my mind. That's not the first thing on my mind. And there was a story that, that I heard about this, this, this old man. He was, a, he was a grandfather, and he, he was with his grandson. And he asked his grandson, he said, you know, Kevin, you know, where's, where's heaven? And he pointed up. And he said, okay, well, where's hell? And he pointed down. And he said, okay, that's good. He said, well, where are you going? And Kevin said, Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> right? Because how many know that's how we think sometimes, right? We think about the now. We think about what's going on right now. We don't, we don't even, some of us, we don't even think about tomorrow, let alone, you know, when Jesus comes back. Because, again, remember, Jesus is coming back. Can somebody say praise the Lord? Woo, Jesus is real right now because it just came back. Not Jesus, but my tablet. Amen. So I'm here to let you know God is real. God can work through technology. Amen. But, uh, but how many know that we often, we think like that. We th that's where our mindsets are as people. And I, I'll be the first one to admit, I'm like that too. Like, again, like when I get up in the morning, I don't think about where I'm going, you know, when my life ends. I don't. I, I mean, it probably takes a couple hours, amen. <laughs> takes a few cups of coffee, and then I start thinking about those kinds of things. But we have to understand that we can't live our lives like that. We can't afford to live our lives like that. Not just about our lives, but about the people that are out in the streets. Hmm? About the people out in the streets. There's a coming, now we just read the scripture, but there's a coming day when Satan will be restrained, the Bible says. Right? We read it in the scriptures. And the Bible says that he will be chained in the pit. Somebody say the pit. Now, at the Ellsworth Correctional Facility in Kansas, hopefully none of you guys have been there or visited there temporarily. Praise the Lord. But the problem prisoners are placed in what they call dis disciplinary segregation. Disciplinary segregation. Well, the inmates call it the pit. They call it the pit. And prisoners in the pit are completely locked down. Somebody say locked down. Anybody ever been locked down before? Okay, don't raise your hand. We don't need to know. Praise the Lord. Well, they're completely locked down in the pit, and their activities are severely limited, and they have no contact at all with other prisoners. Some of us, we've experienced that, right? Some of us, let's be honest, some of us have been in the pit, right? We've been in prison. We've been in jail. We've been in different places. But how many know that it's not just a physical place that can be a pit? Sometimes a pit can even be in our own home. We feel we're, in lo we're locked down by what? By, by Satan, by, by bondage, by the things that are going on in our lives. And we're in that pit, and sometimes we can't see a way out. We don't have any contact with people around us. But how many know sometimes we put ourselves there? We kind of throw ourselves in the pit. You know, the people here in, in, in the Ellsworth Correction Facility, somebody else threw them there. Hello, right? Well, I'm here to let you know that there's a coming day when God will put Satan in the pit. Come on, if you believe that, say amen. 
Come on, somebody say it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, he won't be around to wreak havoc in the world like he's doing or he's been doing for a thousand years. How many know that the devil's wreaking havoc in our world right now? Do you believe that? Okay, if you believe that, that means you must have been on these streets before. Because if you walk these streets, even yesterday when we were rocking the streets, we were out there, uh, we were out there testifying, and we were doing the work of God yesterday, you could see what the devil's doing. You could see what the devil's doing. And I'm going to share this testimony. I was actually going to do it before I spoke, but we were out there. How many guys were there yesterday? We had a powerful time. Pastor Darrell was talking about we had a powerful time. Testimonies were being shared. People were getting prayed for. As a matter of fact, because it's funny, when we go out to the streets and we have these rallies, we always tell people, because we got the microphone, we have our sound system right, and we just got a brand new sound system, so I think people were able to hear us a lot better. Because we told people, we always do this, we tell them, if you need prayer, come over here right now and we'll pray for you. And every once in a while, you will get somebody that will come over and say, hey, I need some prayer. Right? I remember uh, it was Pastor Darrell, I think it was Pastor Man. you guys were praying for that gentleman. He walked over and you guys prayed for him. Well, I was standing over on the side, and uh, I think it was Brother Noel said, Pastor, come here. And I, so I walked over. He goes, hey, this lady, she, wants, she needs prayer. I said, okay. And they had pulled over in a car. They pulled right over to the side, and she couldn't get out of the car. She had her door open, so I, you know, I knelt down there, and I said, you know, hey, what, what, can I, what can I pray for you for? And she spoke Spanish, and she was trying to tell me, and I was like, okay. <laughs> I tried to kind of like, oh, and I told her in my best Aziza Spanish, uno momento, Right? <laughs> If you know my sister Z, you know what I'm talking about. Come on, we try, right, Sister Ziza? Come on. Pastor, we try, right? So I told her, uno momento, and I, and I turned around to Brother Noel, and I said, hey, go get Marion. Go get Marion. And he thought I said Marianne, and he went to, try to, get, went to go get uh, Manny's wife, amen. But anyway, he ended up, she ended up coming, coming over, Sister Marion, right? And I, and I told her, you know, we knelt down to the lady because she was in a, in a little car. And I said, just, you know, talk to her. I find out what's going on. And so she started talking to her in Spanish, and I had no idea what she was saying. You know, and I just said, you know, and then when she was done, I said, okay, so we're going to pray for you. And I look, looked over at Marion, and I said, pray in Spanish. And she, she kind of looked at me, and, I, and she goes, okay. And then she just started, you know, she, she went for it. Let's put it that way. She just went for it. And I was just, you know, I was raising my hands, like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. We were praying. And the gentleman that was driving her was standing there. He was a black brother, right? And he was standing there, and it was kind of weird because she was black. She was Spanish, didn't speak English. It was a weird situation. <laughs> Anyways, you'll see why. And then after we're done... She said, amen. And the lady said, amen. And apparently she had uh, 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 arthritis all through her body, her legs, her knees, and she, she was in a lot of pain. That's why she couldn't get out of the car. And she, you know, but you could see it. As soon as we were done, you could see that God was already healing her. But the gentleman that had drove her, he goes, oh, my God. He's like, I don't know what she said. He's like, but I felt it. And he was like, he's like, man, you know. And I was like, all right. And he's like, man, I felt it. And I, and I go, okay. He goes, no, how you? Because I go, I mean, he's like, man, the hair on the back of my head was standing up. And then he took his hat off and he was bald headed. And I go, but you ain't got no hair. He goes, that's what I'm talking about. And I said, okay. It was just the power of God. And then it was funny because I even talked to Marion afterwards. I go, man, that was heavy. And he, she, she looked at me and she, or she told me today, she goes, I don't pray in Spanish. She said, I just don't do it. But she did yesterday. And the power of God fell. The power of God fell. But that's what we need on the streets. That's what we need out there. Because why? Because the devil is wreaking havoc. The devil's wreaking havoc. I work in the city. I, okay, I used to hate the city because I used to go there and I would get lost. And I could, I get off the freeway and that was it. I was done. And I, then I, I couldn't even find my way back to the freeway. But I've been working there for a little while, right? So now that I'm there, you know, I, I get used to it. But I see so much, man. I see what the devil's doing, man. I see what the devil's doing. Those of you guys that are from the city, you guys know what I'm talking about. You know, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. You have the heartbeat of that city. You know. 
you know, and, and you see people walking around that are just talking to themselves, screaming at nothing, right? According to, we don't, you know, most people think, ah, oh, they're talking to, they're talking to somebody. They're talking to somebody. They're screaming at something. It's nobody, huh? But how many know that the devil is tormenting our cities? The devil is wreaking havoc on our cities. But the Bible says, right? Come on, somebody say, the Bible says. The Bible says that one day that God is going to throw the devil in the pit. Now, I don't know about you, but that's good news. I'm still going to keep it simple. Praise the Lord. See, he won't be around to wreak havoc in this world like he's been doing for a thousand years. He won't be able to deceive the nation while he's here. In fact, he'll have no contact with anybody at all when he's in the pit. Somebody say amen. You say, well, what's that going to be like when the devil's not around? How many guys would enjoy it if the devil wasn't around? Right? You say, man, what's that be like? How many know some of us have got accustomed to the devil being around? That's another Bible study. Amen. Well, the Isaiah tells us a little bit. He gives a little bit of a glimpse of what it's going to be like when the devil's in the pit. There in Isaiah chapter 2, the Bible says, Isaiah the prophet describes what it'll be like. It says, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not, shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall, their, neither shall they learn war anymore. And then in Isaiah chapter 11, the Bible says, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. And they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Doesn't that sound good? Oh, come on, doesn't that sound good? That sounds like peace. Can I, can I hear an amen? Well, that's going to happen when Satan is out of the way. Somebody say, praise the Lord. There will finally be peace on earth. What a day that's going to be. See, Satan will be restrained, and the saints will reign, the Bible says. The believers will rule the world with Christ. How many know that Christ is going to rule the world? But how many know we're going to be with him? Can somebody say amen? Do you believe that? Okay, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 4. We already read it, but I'm going to read it again in the first part of that, 4a. That I saw thrones and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Somebody say authority. authority. Does anybody here have authority today? Yes. Well, here in this, this scripture, now let me just say this. When it comes to reading revelations, you have to give a lot of disclaimers. Okay? Because there's so many things, there's so many different, you could read one scripture and you'll get 500 different translations of the same scripture from different, 500 different people. They'll say, well, this is what it means, this is what it means, that's what it means, and different commentaries, different theologians will tell you, you know, you'll get sometimes very different answers. But how many know, here today, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. Can somebody say amen? I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. It says, then I saw on thrones and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. I'm here to let you know that that's us. That's us. Do you believe that? It says, we who have trusted in Christ in this age before the tribulation. How many know there's a tribulation coming? Right? I'm not going to touch, I'm not going to hit that, you know, because, again, there's so much stuff. We are the ones given the authority to judge according to the Bible. See, Jesus promised his disciples that they would sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. You can put that scripture up there, brother, that first one. Matthew chapter 19, verse 28, says it. Praise the Lord. He says, Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. That's what the Bible says. Next scripture. Also in Luke chapter 22, the Bible says, And I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. 
Somebody say amen. And then the Apostle Paul also reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that we would judge the world, we who are believers in Christ. You can put that scripture up there as well. If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, you are not competent to judge trivial cases. We're going to judge the world, right? Do you not know that we will judge angels? The Bible says, how much more are the things of this life? Huh? I read that. I was like, wow. So not only am I going to go to heaven, can somebody say amen? But the Bible says that I'm going to have authority. The Bible says that you're going to have authority. How many of you guys want some authority? Huh? You say authority over what? Well, if you're in heaven, you're going to have authority over all things. Of course, Jesus Christ is going to be the king. He's always been the king. He's always going to be the king. But how many know that we're going to be seated with him, the Bible says? Huh? How many of you guys are ready to be seated with Christ in heaven? Revelations chapter 4, the second half says, Also I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. Somebody say, off with his head. Come on, that's a whole other Bible study. Praise Like I said, I mean, you could pretty much read scripture by scripture, you know, verse by verse, and you could break that down into like so many different, you know, messages and so many different teachings. But I'm going to focus here today on what I've been talking about. Hopefully this is going to stay a teaching. I hope. He'll have been beheaded for the... For beheaded of Jesus and for the word of God and for those who had worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Somebody say amen. See, now these are the tribulation saints that he's talking about here. Those who will trust Christ during the tribulation. How many know that there's a lot of pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, don't be tribbing. You know, there's a bunch of different theologies when it comes to the tribulation, right? You got the tribulation, you got the great tribulation, you got all these different things. Well, what I want to do is I want to challenge you. Somebody say challenge me, please. Read it on your own, okay? Read it on your own. Because, again, we could, to be honest, nobody that's going to come up behind this pulpit and talks about the end times is going to be able to do it justice. To be, to be honest, I mean, because there's just so much. And, you know, but we're going to try. Amen. We're going to try. Praise the Lord. So whether you believe pre-trib, mid-trib, I'm here to let you know what the Bible says, okay? Now, personally, me, I believe in the pre-trib. I believe that, yes, all this stuff, you know, we're going to get raptured. Can somebody say amen? I, I believe that when, 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 you know, when it happens, I'm going to be gone. Praise the Lord. You know, and I'm going to take all of you guys with me. We're all going to go together. Amen? I pray, you know, my prayer really is that when it happens, there's not going to be anybody left. But we know that that's not going to happen, right? We know that we're, people are going to be left. And this is what it's talking about right here. These are the tribulation saints. Say the tribulation saints. These are the ones that are going to be left here after we go. Are you, that was your opportunity to say, amen. I'm going. Amen? Because if, you, if you're a, 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 I guess you call it a mid-trib saint, right, which is somebody that still believes, amen, somebody that still believes, but you just didn't get taken in the rapture for whatever reason. You know, I'm not here to tell you, well, if you didn't go, it's because of this and it's because of that. It's because you're in sin or it's because, you know, you looked at that brother sideways one day, so God didn't take you in the rapture. That's not, that's not what I'm trying to do. Amen? Somebody say, thank you, Lord. You're not trying to do that. See, these are the, uh, uh, the tribulation saints. They will come to faith in Christ after the rapture of the church, after the current believers are taken out of this world and lose their heads for it. Hmm. Even so, God will raise them from the dead, and they will, be, they will reign with Christ for a thousand years, along with those of us who trust and obey him today. See, that's part of what I wanted to share here today, was those of us that trust and obey him today. Huh? Trust. See, we read, we read you know, all this kind of stuff, and we think, oh, that's for, you know, that's for later. No, that's for right now. This is all for right now. And the title of this message is, I called it, You Choose. You Choose. How many know that we, our whole life is just a, a multitude of our choices? Right? Everything is a multitude of our choices. Except, you know, I, I get it, you know, where you're born, you're, you know, we don't, you know, we don't make good choices. Hello? 
Okay, I'll speak for me. I didn't make good choices when I was little. But once we become a certain age, we are responsible for our choices. Everything that happens to us is a culmination of our choices, right? Like when I went into the home, I couldn't blame anybody of why I was there. That was because of my choices. I ended up in a place like that. I thank God I ended up there. Can somebody say amen? And I thank God that you guys ended up there. Because you could have ended up in a lot of different places. Huh? You could have ended up in a lot of different places, but you didn't. Huh? And that was, for some of us, some of you was a choice. Some of you, the judge chose for you. Amen? But I thank God for that judge. Amen? I thank God for that. Amen? But it's for today. Somebody say today. We've got to trust and obey him today. In Revelations chapter 20, again, verses 5 and 6 says this. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. And this is the first resurrection. See the first resurrection. Blessed, is the ho- blessed and holy is the one who shares in this first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Somebody say a thousand years. And I know this is, you know, some of this might be a lot. I don't want to confuse anybody, you know, so I'm going to try to do my best. But it helps to understand that there are two resurrections. Say two resurrections surrounding the thousand-year reign of Christ. One before his reign and one after his reign. And those raised before his reign will include all those who have trusted Christ. They will be raised to reign with Christ. Those raised after his reign will include all those who refuse to trust Christ. They will miss out on Christ's reign and be raised only to die an eternal second death in the lake of fire. Somebody say, what? Some of you probably didn't even know that. I mean, when I was reading and studying for this, there was a lot of there was stuff in here. I was like, what? <laughs> like, I didn't even know that. Like, I wasn't aware of that. I, just, I wasn't you know, up to speed on that, if you, I guess you could say. But it's very good when you read this stuff and you, you study this stuff because it'll give you insight. It'll, give you, it'll help you make good decisions. I'm here to let you know. You choose. You choose. Some people say that the lake of fire will be like this. It'll be like the suffering. It'll be like suffering the ravages of the last stages of cancer forever. Some of you might even know what that is like. You know loved ones. Just try to imagine somebody suffering that forever, for eternity, huh? For eternity, without ever experiencing the release of death. Never experiencing a release, having something to look forward to. Let's be honest. Some people that have, you know, terminal illnesses, sometimes they look forward to that, right? They look for, man, I wish I could just die and go to heaven already, right? I wish I could just die and end this. Well, I'm here to let you know, in the lake of fire, there is no end. There's nothing to look forward to. Huh? There's no light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. Can somebody say amen? It's getting a little quiet in here. Some of you guys are choosing right now. <coughs> Those who participate in the second death will be dying forever in an eternal lake of fire. Satan would have us to believe that Christians are losers. Has anybody ever told you, you're a loser? You ain't worth nothing. You're never going to do anything. Huh? How many of you know the enemy wants us to think that, even as Christians, right? Especially Christians. Because you know Christians that think they're losers, they got no power. They got no power. They got no authority in this world. Can somebody say amen? amen? Now, more than 500 years ago, there was a man named William Tyndale. Some of you guys probably recognize that name, William Tyndale. He was born in 1494, and the Bible was available only to the clergy and only in Latin. Anybody here read Latin? I didn't think so. Me neither. Yet Tyndale had a dream that every English-speaking person would be able to read the Bible in his own language, even what they called back then the common plowman. That meant like you and me, common folk. Amen. He wanted to make sure that everybody could read the Bible in their own language, anybody and everybody. Now, the Catholic Church had banned any translation of the Bible into English, but Tyndale pursued his dream anyways. And he left England to complete an English translation of the New Testament and then smuggled copies of his New Testament back into England. Now, when the authorities discovered what he was doing, 
They arrested him, they tried him, and they sentenced him to death. And he spent 15 months in prison where he continued to translate the rest of the Bible. And there, they strangled him and burned him at the stake when he was only 42 years old. All for translating the Bible into English. Mm. How many know the devil's still, still on the move, man? What he was doing back then, he's doing today. What he's doing today, he was doing back then. Anything you see that's going on now, ain't nothing new. He was, he was, he was at work back then, too. Huh? It seemed like the forces of evil had won, but less than a year later, King Henry VIII gave his official approval to an English Bible that, unknown to him, was nearly 70% Tyndale's work. The king proclaimed that there is, if there be any heresies in it, then let it be spread among the people. And in the end, Tyndale won. Tyndale won. And you and I, because of this man, we are able to hold this in our hands today. We're able to read this. Huh? What the enemy tried to stop. What the enemy tried to stop and, and, and not let happen. How many know that it still happened? Huh? How many know you're not a loser? It doesn't matter what the world tells you. Huh? You got a dream, go for it. You got a dream, go for it. He did. Huh? He lost his life for it, but he still went for it. And how many know that we're here today? We can thank God for William Tyndale, man. Thank God for him. How many know believers always win? Believers always win. You and I always win. How many guys love winning? Pastor, Pastor always says all the time, you never see losing teams give high fives, right? Losing teams never give each other a high five. They bow, good loss. It doesn't happen, huh? But when we, when we have, that's why I love about when we have our greeting here in the, in the beginning of the service, we go around greeting each other. We give high fives. We hug each other, right? And, you know, we shake hands. We do all these different things. Why? Because we're winners, huh? Because we're winners. Because with Christ, we're a winner. Can somebody say amen? amen? Praise the Lord. Now, when Jesus spoke about his kingdom in Matthew chapter 25, he promised his followers you have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. How many of you guys have read that scripture before? It says, come and share your master's happiness. You see, when we choose to follow Christ, we have the assurance of ruling and reigning with him someday. We will share in the happiness of his reign, and he will put us in charge of many things. How many of you guys are ready to be in charge of many things? You say, you know what, man? I've been waiting for my many things. Because I've been faithful here on this earth with a few things. Amen? How many of you know sometimes we, we look at the few things that we have, and we think, well, that's not much. You know, and I'm not blessed, but I'm here to let you know you're blessed. The little, the, even if God has only given you a little bit, I'm here to let you know, be faithful with that little bit. Be obedient with that little bit. Because one day, I'm here to let you know that the Bible says that God is going to put you in charge of many things. And whatever that is, it might not just be money. Sometimes we read that and we think, well, he's talking about money. No, 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 no. Not just talking about money. He's talking about all things. Anything God has given you. Anything that the Lord has put in your trust. As long as you're faithful with it, God says, I'm going to give you even more. I'm going to give you even more. How many of you guys are ready for more? Praise the Lord. According to the Old Testament prophets, Jesus will establish his capital in Jerusalem on the throne of David. But he will send his followers around the world to rule the nations on his behalf. So I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven, I might be, I, according to that, I could be a president. Right? Because he says he's going to send us out to rule the nations. Right? How many know that he's the king? But he's going to send us out to rule the nations. Because how many know in God's kingdom you can be anything you want? Do you believe that? No, honestly, do you believe that? Do you believe that in God's kingdom, you can believe whatever you want to be? Whatever you want. We hear it in Victor Outreach. In Victor Outreach, you can do anything. Sky's the limit. You can do anything. And if that's true in Victor Outreach, just imagine in the kingdom of God. Uh, how many know we're, we're living in the kingdom here, but in the kingdom, when the kingdom, when Jesus' kingdom comes to earth, we can be whatever we want to be. We can do whatever we want to do because Jesus is on the throne. We can do anything. Can somebody say amen? amen. That's what the Bible says, right? Now, whether Jesus puts you in charge of a nation or... TV remote? I don't know. Whatever God gives you, whatever the more is, amen? Some of you guys have a lot right now, so he's just going to give you a little bit more. 
You might say, here, here's the remote to the TV. You might say, praise the Lord, man, I've been waiting for this for a long time. Amen, because my wife won't let me have it. Right, I got the remote. But whatever it is, big or small, you've got to be faithful. You must be faithful in the little things that he's given you today. Be faithful in the little things that he's given you today. Somebody say today. And then and only then will he put you in charge of many things. Because if you're not faithful today, if it's a little, he's not going to put you in charge of many things tomorrow. See, so today you have a choice. If you haven't already made that choice, today you have that choice. And I pray by the end of this teaching that you'll have made a choice. Huh? And I know a lot of us have already made choices to follow Christ, right? We've, we've said the sinner's prayer. We've said, okay, Lord, come into my life, change me, transform me. But sometimes after that prayer, we don't walk it out. Huh? We don't walk out that salvation. Huh? We really haven't made a choice. I'm talking about making a choice of where are you going to go in the end? Because that's a choice. A lot of people say, well, why would God send people to hell? Well, when I read the scriptures and I study it, I see that God doesn't send people to hell. We make a choice. We make a choice. Because God, if you, you know, you read the Bible, everywhere that you read in here, it'll, say, it'll, it'll tell you, he'll say, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. If you do this, this is what's going to happen. So what, ha- what happens is what? We make a choice. We say, well, okay, well, I'm going to do that. Well, according to your choice, that's what's going to happen to you. Not because I'm going to send you there, but because you made the choice. You choose where you're going to go in the end. Not me. Not me, God says. Not me. You're going to choose. That's why today you got to choose. Yeah, you might have got saved, but have you chosen where you're going to go in the end? Because I mean, no, that's, that's like, that's walking it out. Because when you decide, okay, you know what? When I die, when, if it's the rapture or however, however I go, tell me, you know, none of us know. We don't know how we're going to go. We don't know if we're going to live to see the rapture. We don't know, if, you know, what's going to happen. But if you haven't decided where you're going to go, I don't know. I don't know. You got to decide. You got to make a choice. Because when you do, when you make that choice, you say, you know what? I'm going to choose to go to heaven. That's where I'm going to go. When I die, I'm going to choose. I'm going to go there. Everything, every choice after that, all hinges on that choice. All hinges on that choice. Just like when you get saved, you know, hopefully all the decisions after that are hanging off that choice. But this is the choice that you need to make today. Say, okay, every day when I wake up, I'm going to choose to go to heaven. Every day my feet hit the ground, I'm going to choose to go to heaven. Every single day. Every night before I go to bed, I'm going to choose to go to heaven. Because who knows? The Bible says that he's going to come like a thief in the night. Huh? There might not be tomorrow for you. It might not be tomorrow for me. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> Revelations chapter 20, verse 7 and 9 says, And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. He's talking about the rulers and their people. To gather them for battle. And their numbers is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, which is Jerusalem. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And I don't know why he does it. I don't know why God's going to let the devil out after... I don't know why he's going to let him out. Who knows? How many know that we're never going to know until we get to heaven? Come on, that's another opportunity for you to say, amen! I'm going to find out when I get to heaven. Amen. Why did you let that dude out? What were you thinking? Right? Who knows why he's going to do it? I mean, there's, again... There's probably a million different theologies going to tell you why he does it. I don't know. I can't tell you why. But after Christ reigns on this earth for a thousand years, he releases Satan for a time, the Bible says. But God lets the devil out of the pit, and the devil deceives the nations into thinking that they can remove Christ from his throne. How many know that's pride? That's pride. That's pride, pride, pride. The guy already knows he's going to lose. I don't know about you, but when you read the Bible, you, I don't know, but we win. It's, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. 
But he still thinks he's going to remove Christ from his throne. He still thinks he's going to be able to do something. Can somebody say, uh-uh? You guys believe that? You see, God doesn't send people to hell. They're only there because they have chosen to go there. And they won't be able to blame God or anybody else. But they will be there without excuse. There was another story about one Sunday morning, two men were out in a boat fishing. After several hours on the lake without catching a single fish, one of the men says to the other guy, he says, you know, we probably should have stayed home and gone to church this morning. And the other guy looked at him and says, well, I could have stayed home, but I couldn't have gone to church. And his friend says, why is that? And the other guy says, well, because my wife is sick. Get it? All right. <laughs> Amen. I, all right. You see, the fisherman really didn't want to go to church, did he? Right? He just made an excuse. Well, I could have stayed home, but I could have gone to church. But wait a minute. You're all fishing, but you couldn't have gone to church. Well, well my wife is sick. Amen. <laughs> see, he was just looking for an excuse. How many of you sometimes we get, I'll be honest, sometimes I get up on Sunday, I'm looking for an excuse. Like, do I really got to go to church today? Do I really got to go on Monday? Especially this Monday. Right? I got to be at work at 2.30 in the morning. Like, do I really want to get up right now? Right? I'm looking for an excuse. And there's a lot of people today. There's even people in this room this today that are looking for an excuse to reject Christ. Hmm? Looking for an excuse. So it, is, so it is if you miss out on heaven, you'll have no excuse except that you really didn't want to go there. But see, it'll be your choice, not God's. Because the Bible says in 2 Peter, for God, it's not wishing that anyone should perish. Should that anyone should perish, but that all should reach that all should reach repentance. God wants everybody saved. God wants everybody in heaven, but He knows that we're all going to make our own decisions, right? He says we're all going to choose because God has given us a free will. Can somebody say Amen? He's given you a choice. God's not a God's a gentleman, right? God's a gentleman. He's not going to kick the door down and drag you to heaven. Hello, because to be honest, there's going to be people that's the only way that they're going to get there. It's if God kicked their door down and drags them. Because why? Because they've made a choice. Has anybody ever heard that? Only God can judge me. Really? You ever heard that? Only God can judge me. Well, I just read a couple of scriptures right there that says otherwise. But anyways, I seen a guy who had a tattoo that said, only Judge Judy can judge me. <laughs> I was like, all right, okay. If you think so. Hey, if she's in heaven, she will. Because the Bible says that those of us that are in heaven, before we're going to be judging. I don't know. That's what the Bible says. If so, if Judge Judy's in heaven, she'll be judging. Amen. But how you know there's a lot of people that live that? They live that. Literally live that. That nobody can judge me. Only God can judge me. And I tell them, praise the Lord. Because you know why? He's going to judge you. It's coming. God is going to judge. No doubt about it. Just because you got a tattoo that says only God doesn't mean he's not going to judge you. Like, hey, man, I'm on your side. Only you can judge me, bro. No, he's going to judge us. How many know we're all going to get judged? Everybody. Even the believers, we're still going to get judged. He's still going to say, okay, we're gonna, let's look at what you did. You know, and the Bible says we talked about our crown, right? That according to the things we've done is going to be according to the size, you know, of our crown. Some of us are going to have big, giant, you know, I don't know, some of them, you know, them big rapper guys' crowns. You know, they, they, go, they go way overboard crowns, right, with bling and all this kind of stuff. But, it's, but you know, that's what the Bible says. But some of us, Pastor Steve, you always say, some of you guys are going to have a rubber band. Bing! <laughs> you know, what are you doing when you're here? Well, what have you done for God? You know, what are your... The great things you've done for the Lord. And nothing is too minimal. And I'm not saying you've got to do great things to get a great... No, just tell somebody Jesus loves them. Bing! There's a, there's a jewel right there in your crown. Bing! It's not like you have to go out and say thousands. You don't got to be Billy Graham. Don't think you've got to be Billy Graham to get a big crown. You don't. 
All you got to do is tell some, hey, man, Jesus loves you. Bam, you got a jewel. But don't do it just because of that. Huh? So God doesn't want anybody to perish. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. You see, for Satan, for after Satan is released for a time, the Bible says he's going to get roasted forever. And God throws the old devil into the lake of the fire. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. See, the saddest thing is that Satan's not going to be alone. He's not going to be the only one in the lake of fire. Soon he will be joined by all those who reject Christ. And they too will burn forever in the lake of fire. Verse 11 says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. Not only will they have no excuse, according to that, there will be no escape. There'll be nowhere for anybody to hide. Huh? Everybody is going to be judged. Everybody. Good, bad, and the ugly. Hello? Verse 12 says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. You see, their lives were an open book. When we get to heaven, our lives are going to be an open book. There's nothing. You can't, even while we're here today, you can't hide anything from God. God sees everything. When you get up there, it's, they're going to go like this. Okay, roll the cameras. And everybody's going to see. And God's going to say, look, he's going to show you. He's going to show you exactly what you did. You say, no, my God, I did. He goes, no, 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 watch, watch. He's going to tell you, no, 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 shh, shh, watch. And you're going to be like, wow, I forgot all about that. I didn't even see you there, you know. Where'd you get that film, you know? But that's what the Bible says, that it's all going to be there laid out before us. God is going to judge us for every single thing we did or we didn't do. Did you walk by that person yesterday and just walk by him? Just kind of look at him like, I feel sorry for that guy. Or did you at least just say, hey, man, God loves you? You're going to get judged for it. Everything we do and don't do. Does anybody get anything? Okay. Praise the Lord. What's, what's uh, Dean Eferat to say? Come on, encourage me, encourage me. Some encouragement. So the cameras are rolling. Everything that anyone ever thinks, says, or does is recorded, and it will be revealed on that day. Hmm? Verse 13 says, And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. See, now this judgment is not for the believers. This judgment is not for us that believe in, you know, uh, uh, get taken in the rapture. That, this is not for us. It is only for unbelievers, those who are dead, those of us who have trusted Christ that are alive at this time. Having been resurrected to reign with Christ, only the dead are judged at the great white throne judgment. Their deeds will be revealed, and they will die a second death. Somebody say a second death. Verse 14 says, Then the death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the, this is the second death, the lake of fire. No one escapes. Everyone who comes out of the grave at this time is thrown into the lake of fire. Verse 15, And if anyone's name was not found in the, written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. See, the book of life is a register of all the living. Those who have eternal life through faith in Christ have their names written in this book. Those who die in their sins without Christ have their names erased the day they die. A lot of theologians, they believe that's what's going to happen. When you die, your name gets erased out of the book of life. You guys with me? All right. And they will stand before the judge without any avenue of escape. It's going to be like, oh yeah, hey, my name's Toby. Praise the Lord, I'm here to get in, you know. You know, you hear a lot of Peter's going to be standing there, right? You know this, not true, probably. I don't know. We'll see when we get there, right? And he's going to say, hey, what's your name? Oh, my name's Toby. He's going to say, hey, sorry, your name's not here. No, 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 look again. He's like, no, it's not here. Why don't you just go with him over there? 
Right? You're going to take an elevator. That's what, at least that's what it does in the cartoons, right? That's what it does in the cartoons. The guy steps into the elevator and shoom. Well, you know, hey, if you guys, did you guys just get that picture in your mind right now? Okay, praise the Lord. Those who die in their sins without Christ will have their names erased the day they died. It says they will stand before the judge without any avenue of escape. Now, there was a French Impressionist. He was a sculptor. His name was Rodin. And even though a lot of people don't know who he was, many are familiar with his work. He created the thinker. You guys remember the thinker? Not Tim Tebow. Amen. He was biting off the thinker. Amen. But the thinker. He was the one that sculpted that guy, the thinker. And a lot of people think, wow, I wonder what that guy's thinking about. I wonder what's going through his mind right now. What's he contemplating right now? Well, here I'm going to let you know. Amen. Rodin created him to sit on top of his greatest masterpiece, which was called The Gates of Hell. If you look it up and you check it out, a lot of times you see the picture and it's just him, right? Well, if you look at his original sculpture, there's another thing behind him and it's called The Gates of Hell. Okay? You guys with me? The thought of hell should sober us all up. Can somebody say amen? It should cause us all to stop and think for a while. Where will I spend eternity? Huh? Where will I spend eternity? Well, we all have a choice today, right? We can choose either to reign with Christ or we can choose to burn with Satan. What will be your choice? Hmm? I'm going to have AJ come, the team come right now. I want you to listen to this. I'm going to close right here. Again, this wasn't like a heavy jump up and down, yell, scream message. This was more of a teaching just to try to give you guys an insight, hopefully to stir you up, to think about when you wake up every morning and your feet hit the ground, where am I going when I die? Have I chosen correctly? Have I made the right choice? Because sometimes they say, well, I haven't made a choice. Yes, you have. No choice is a choice, right? Because the Bible says if you're not with me, you're against me. So if you haven't chosen Christ, if you haven't even got saved yet, today could be your day. You can make that choice. And then tomorrow when you get up, you can say, you know what? Now I'm choosing to go to heaven. Every day that I get up, I'm going to choose to go to heaven. Has anybody here ever go to eBay before? Okay. Well, there was an eBay auction back in September 2005. And this is what the heading of the, the auction said. It said, let Stephen King kill you in his upcoming book. Let Stephen King kill you in his upcoming book. You say, what? Well, there was a nonprofit organization called the First Amendment Project that created the auction. And they told potential buyers, here's your chance to be immortalized in literary history. Bid on a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be a character in an upcoming book by Stephen King. Right? What could be better for any Stephen King fan? Right? To be immortalized in one of his books. Wow, that's me. See right there? That's me. That's my name. That's me. I'm that character. That's me. Huh? The auction ended with af after 76 bids, with the winner agreeing to pay $25,100 for the chance to see his name printed in black and white. Another bid, another bidder paid $12,000 for a chance to appear in a John Grisham novel. Another person paid $6,350 in order, in order to be included as an utterance in Lemony Snicket's book, The 13th. Never even heard of that book. Well, obviously this guy did. He paid a lot of money to have his name written in that book. See, it's too bad that these bidders didn't know about another book. They didn't know that there's another book. There's a book better than any book that could ever be written, huh? Which could make them truly immortal. The only book that you could have your name written in and that you would be truly immortal. The author's name of that book is Jesus. And his book is the book of life. And he'll pencil you in for free. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, for free. All you need to do is trust him. 
All you need to do is call upon his name and ask him to save you from your sins. And here today, please, please, I say this with all sincerity and all conviction, please make a choice. If you haven't decided yet, if you haven't made a choice to follow Jesus Christ, today's your day. Today could be your day. You could have been in the, you could you could be in this church. You could have been in this church for years and still haven't made this choice. You might have got saved years ago, but have you made a choice where you're going when your your life ends? Huh? Because sometimes we don't think that far ahead. We think, well, I got saved today. Praise the Lord. It's all good. And I can just go about living my life, not caring about where I'm going to go when I die. And that's a whole other Bible study. Can I lose my salvation? I'm here to let you know I'm not going to take a chance. I'm not taking that chance. Some people will tell you, oh, once you get saved, that's it, it's done. You're sealed. Some people believe that. Some people don't. But I'm here to let you know I'm not taking that chance. I'm not taking the chance. Huh? Maybe you're in the home right now. You're thinking, you know what? I still got one run left in me. I'll come back next week. I'm going to go back out there, and I'm going to go do my thing, and I'll be back next week because I want to go see my old lady, or I want to go see this person. I want to go do this. I'm here to let you know, when I was in the home, I saw about 10 guys lose their lives after leaving the home and say they'll be back next week. I'm not taking a chance. They took a chance. I'm not taking that chance. And here today, you don't have to take that chance either. Today, you have the opportunity to come to this altar and make a choice. If you want to get saved today, you say, you know what? That's the first choice I need to make. I need to get saved today. I need to make, I'm not taking a chance because I want to go to heaven. But if that's you here today, I'm going to have you to come up front right now because we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to touch your life. We're going to ask God to save you today because we don't save anybody. It's God. Jesus Christ saves you for what he did on the cross. And you say, you know what? I'm saved, but I haven't been walking like it. I haven't been talking like it. I haven't really been caring about where I go tomorrow. I'm just worried about today. Today doesn't really matter. Because again, you might not wake up tomorrow. That's what you need to think about. You need to think about tomorrow. Where are you going to go tomorrow? Not about what you're going to do today. And if that's you, I want you to come up as well. You say, you know what? I need to make a choice today. Today I choose to go to heaven. Because I'm not taking a chance. Because they sing this song. There's nothing worth more. Come on, don't take a chance today, church.